calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Malls. Reminder before the show to make sure that you are subscribed in Apple Podcasts. And if you're new, welcome to Please Advise Nation. Our show only works with your participation, so call 323-450-7408 with your dilemmas and life questions. Again, that's 323-450-7408 or email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com with your voice notes or emails. Thank you and enjoy. Hey everyone, it's episode 188 of Please Advise. I'm Molly McAleer. Christina Lopez is here. Wags is here. And we also, we also have Natasha Rothwell. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. You may know her from Insecure. I now know you from the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Have you met Sonic? Um, I have in, <laughs> in the form of uh, ping pong balls stuck mm. to... A globe. <laughs> so is it like it's oh, it wasn't with even people like a human actor that was like interpreting like Sonic's like we vibe? had there was like a, a local like Vancouver improviser that did like lines with us. Um but the actual Sonic is played by um Oh my god, why is I'll Google it. Google it. I can't believe I just blanked. It's okay. Um Ben Schwartz. Jesus. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm literally just like his hair is like a, <laughs> a sonic hedgehog. Yes. It's, um, uh, the guy who plays uh yeah. Yeah. Ralphio on uh, Parks and Rec. That's right, that's yeah. right. Uh so he voices the character Perfect. and it's live action and animation. I'm excited to see it, man. I loved Sonic. That was like one of the only I still remember one of the cheat codes. Um, like I never was allowed to play video games. My neighbors had it. Mm. I was very, we like barely even had cable until I was like 12. Like I was watching Ghost Rider and PBS shows like a yes. little too old, a yeah, little yeah, too yeah. old. Ghost and my Rider mom was, my was like, we got to integrate some like some teenage entertainment because she's been watching. I mean, I'd like, like murder. Sit, she wrote was, yeah, I'd like right? flick on Sesame yeah. street after Matt school. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like old lady shows always. Yeah. Um, and also Full House, which we started to touch on this Yay. last week. So I don't know if you know, I'm biologically related to Jodie Sweetin. No. I'm her biological sister. 
It's not, <laughs> not none of I it's love, true. <laughs> this is a full lie. Yeah, but I it's love a full it. lie. It's and it's been going on, on for like, it's in, in my life. Like I have Christmas stockings that say her name on it. I, I read my dog, my sweet baby got a, well, true story. I went to a Dancing with the Stars taping like, like three years ago and Jody was performing and I was sitting in front of her parents. So of like the course. whole time I'm telling my friend to shut up because I'm trying to listen to everything they're saying. Of course. And um, on the way out, this is all very faded. Yeah. We're leaving We're leaving the Dancing with the Stars studio and I'm telling my friend Meredith, you know, Jody Sweeten is everything. She had a tough life. Have, yeah. Did you hear? You know, she was a meth addict or whatever. As we're doing this, I was like, you know what? I'm going to order her books on Amazon. We're crossing by the Erewhon. Guess who's just sitting in front of Erewhon? Jaden Smith. No. So as I'm ordering the books, so that feels very divine to me. Yeah. Because it's like when you spot like a Jaden in public, you're like, that's a, that's a good oracle. sign. It's an oracle, yeah. Right? So then um, <laughs> my dog got attacked. Like... <gasps> I was fostering a dog and the dog attacked my dog. I still, oh, I started having this flashbacks, dog, yeah. which yeah. is great. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, I, I came home from the hospital. My dog was in there for like two weeks. It was the day I got home. I was so defeated as a person. I was covered in blood still. Oh, and what's waiting for me on my doorstep? Jody unsweetened, sweeten. unsweetened by Jody Sweeten. <laughs> and it's an amazing book. I can't recommend it enough. But all that said, this brings a lot of sadness into my life because I feel like Jody is probably struggling right now. What with everything that's going on with Full House, the yeah. Full House family. The whole family is being torn apart. I know. What um, do you think about this whole thing? Were you as sucked in? I was so, I love I a good scam. Scary in. So like, yeah. I was into uh, the revelation of all of it. Uh, the, a week prior to the news dropping, I was at a Planned Parenthood event and Felicity Huffman was there. And she, we had met truly two weeks prior at an Emily's List, like the organization that promotes Democratic candidates. And she was sitting next to me. She was like my table partner. So we like met and talked. And then so when she saw me at the Planned Parenthood event, she was like, Natasha, she gave me a big hug. We had talked about her daughter and I was, you know, you know, what are you doing right now? Trying, you know, you know, kids going to college and like she mentioned it. And so when I it was very like I felt out of body. You because, felt personally like Yeah, because yeah, because yeah. I was just like, we just like had this kiki at two like like political events. Yeah. And now here like I feel betrayed yeah no yeah. isn't it weird how yeah, sometimes you're like weird. I feel yeah. betrayed yeah but, it's like uh, oh this person's like an ally you know because it's like, wild yeah. that's how I felt about like Bethany rough. Frankel when she went off the rails I felt oh. betrayed by her but no it's it's um so interesting because I always knew rich people were up to some real shit yeah you know like I, but I don't think I understand the depth of it. Like I knew people yeah. were getting ushered in the back door, like legacy stuff. Yeah. I'm a legacy at my school. I actually had to go and like, I had to try. I don't think they would have just let me in. Right, right, right. But I can't imagine like what they're really doing. Like what satanic underground shit goes on? Like and how bad does she have to be? Because it's just like, mm. she like the... <laughs> It's money, yeah, right? right? It's like white privilege. Yeah. It's access. And looking at all of that, 
her mom was just like, you know what? She needs a little bit of extra help. It's just like you have literally <laughs> yeah. all of the help. Yeah. All of it. All of it. My like, girl Sunny on it. The View, that was, I watch The View every day and I love Not it when something happens in, on, in the news. So yeah. I'm like, oh, The View is going to be lit tomorrow. Right. <laughs> but so Sun, that was Sunny's point, which is just like you have, the, you couldn't get the best tutors. Like you could put her through an, like an all-star athletic program. Yeah. You have all the options to do that. You like, got... You could have got into USC using like your means, yeah. like not money, but just like, like you said, like SAT tutors, best schools, boarding school, like take it 10 times. Like I remember putting my AP um, high school classes, like I didn't take the test because I couldn't afford them. Yeah. I was in all yeah. honors classes. Those tests were expensive. They were expensive. Yeah. And I had, you know, straight A's. I was in all these like, and I never took the test because it was just being like, do I ask my mom for like 75 bucks yeah. for a test when she's already like helping me like get costumes for the school play and all this like money is like. I could only apply to like three colleges. Yeah. Of, like. It was so expensive. It yeah. was. I remember my that. first credit card I opened was for grad school applications. So wow. like it's like I, for so for them to go down in such a public way, I love it. <laughs> I, I kind of want the I mean, like I want them all to take SATs and their scores to be shown. Like I, I want to. I will say that like, and I hate I hate it. I because it's like embarrassing yeah. that I feel this way. Yeah. I feel really bad for some of those kids. Like like. Why do I feel bad for Lori Loughlin's daughter? I don't really know why, but I do Oof. know that she was making money as a person online. Like that is what you want for your kids. She probably to, paid the five half like five hundred thousand dollars herself. Oh yeah, she had the Sephora deal. Yeah. She had, like, oh my god, I didn't even think about. But that. also, yeah. her parents are worth a hundred million dollars. Yeah. So like that's that's money, money, and like I also think they were very stupid the way they did it, almost like. They're so used to having velvet ropes lifted for them or whatever that it didn't even occur to them that it's a crime. It's like paying that extra money to get like, you know. I, I mean, I would beg to differ. I think they occurred to them that they were a crime, but they just thought of they were above it the law. It didn't apply to you them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like you or could like, be so rich where you're just like, oh, I give zero fucks. They wouldn't really get busted. Like, they would get like True. a slap on That's, the wrist or yeah, something. I, I think, think it that, was like, that. 300 FBI and IRS agents would be coming after yes. them. Yes. Yeah. I want a mugshot. I feel like us as a country, we deserve that right yes. now. Like, there's yes. like we're in a place where we need both of their mugshots. Absolutely. I just. We do need the mugshots. I don't know why they're not released. There yeah. was like, I tried to read some like legal article about it yesterday and I was like, Get a hobby. Yeah. But Massimo, I, the dad, is apparently a huge Trumper. Oh, big yeah. Trumper. That came out. He basically went on a rant at a party and was talking about how uh, people need to, like, pull themselves up <laughs> and not, like, rely on other people for help. The like, irony. Yeah, the irony. And just, like, it's, like, him railing against, like, you know, public service and, like, social programs probably affirmative action affirmative act probably and you know mm. welfare all of that where yeah. i'm just like you you are so stupid so ignorant <laughs> just so yeah. ignorant to yeah. Be, yeah. yeah yeah it was really the the i would say the the net benefit from this being being brought to light besides the like gossipy juiciness of it yeah it's also like it opened up this whole conversation about affirmative action that people were talking about yeah. their real experiences of yeah. being told like i was going through twitter when it was um trending 
because it was trending the same day that that story broke. Right. And people were just reciting stories about like how they were told they weren't enough and how they, t- they were told they, would, yeah. they just got into the school because of affirmative action. My and first yeah. school, I went to Ithaca College my freshman year and I oh. transferred to University of Maryland. Yeah. While I was at Ithaca College, I was a part of the IOP program, the Ithaca Opportunities Program, because of their entire population, student body. I want to say like maybe 3% were people of color, not black people, but people of color. And right. of that 3%, it was just like 10 of us. And I remember going into my, to, to like, after I realized I got a part of this program, it didn't dawn on me that it was affirmative action because I was just like, oh, opportunities program, I'm like, great. And it was like a substantial ride, not a full, quite a full ride, but pretty much a full ride. And I went into the missions office and I was just like, I want to make sure I'm here on merit. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm here to fill a quota. And she goes, no, we have one of the most rigorous sort of like, you know, adjudication. Pro- you have to like deserve to be here grades, SATs, like you have to have gotten into the school in order to get this money. We're just giving you the finances so that way you can attend a private school. And um, I remember other students on campus who weren't people of color. It was constantly just like, oh, are you are you part of the program? <laughs> you know, like, Ugh. oh, are you? And it's this constant sort of just like other people checking for your like validity mm-hmm. when you're just like, no, it's not like this fucking Aunt Becky situation where she did not have the grade. She did not no. earn her way into that school at all and paid her way in and was on a yacht when she found out. I don't know. She was on a yacht with one of the USC the like... Yeah, the board of trustees, like yeah. the president of the board of trustees. Although I do love that they were like, when she found out, we felt it, she felt it was in her best interest to leave. And in my mind, I'm like thinking of a helipad landing on right. the yacht to get her, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a helicopter, like getting her out of there. I'm sure that's not what happened. Right. They were probably 20, you know, feet from like the shore, but yeah. it was a whole dramatic thing in my mind. What I do want to say that you, the first thing that you said is that the party element of it, which is like, I think it was for the parents to brag at parties. Yeah. That yeah. Might I, be I honestly think that like it's she receipts. was very clear about not wanting to go to college and just wanting to live her YouTube life. Yes. They literally probably just wanted. Sorry, not literally. I hate when we overuse that word. They probably just wanted to be able to bra- brag at a party that yeah. their kid is at USC. Oh, my girls got into USC. Yeah. Oh. Which is like, <laughs> it's so shitty just because. Like they had an actual, there was one of the daughter, the younger one had an actual career. I, I don't, and that was probably bought for her too. And I also have a theory. So apparently the guy that was the USC chair that the daughter, they were all in the boat together. Apparently yeah. the daughter of the USC guy also has a Sephora palette. Oh, so here boy. I am wondering, is Sephora's in-house brand just giving, just like, <laughs> can girls. you buy a deal? Like with Sephora, why wouldn't you be able to? Yeah, I, actually, I, that's not a bad theory because I can, ass- I can assume that like Massimo, right? Going in yes. like, oh, give my daughter a line and we can like figure yeah, something out. Uh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, Massimo actually, ooh, Target like shaded him big time. We're like, oh, we really? haven't sold his shit in a long time. Like <gasps> Target was like, we haven't worked with him since 2017. Whoa. And I was like, oh wow, that's like, that's hurtful. Yeah. That's like, t- if I was Massimo, Man. I'd be like, Target, I hooked you up for years. I that's need you. for real. I he made that clothing through. section relevant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I got some got Massimo some in my closet. I might, I got to check the labels on what I got now. <laughs> mm. That yeah. is real. But, um, Oh my God. It's like when just I do Amazon clothing liquidations. Um, I buy, I like, it's my hobby. I buy um, Amazon returns at auction. (laughs) And I have a fake store that I sell out of in Eagle Rock. 
Yeah, I have a little store and everything's five, ten, and twenty dollars. <laughs> Your face right now. Wait, is it a brick and mortar? Like you have an actual store? It's in a public store, Gina. It's a public Shh. It's just a store. And so no, everyone knows it's but like it's um I now I, I sell it online too. Shopsundermommy.com, everyone. But like I was ordering and I noticed there was a huge lot. And like there was two pairs of Ivanka Trump shoes in it. And oh. I was like I just can't bid on this, like, even out of, you know, even if just because they're, she's not going to get the money. They were returned to Amazon and liquidated. But I How just does was one like, buy liquidated Amazon products. Uh, well, you go to a liquidations auction, like, there's like in person or online? There's, uh, you can do both. I do it online I'm and so they fascinated. do auctions out of like Nevada. Ideally, like, you want to get. West Coast, but okay. I have done a couple from Indiana. Oh, wow. They also have them in Texas. And then I try to win like two auctions at once. So then it's like when people bid on storage closets, it's like you don't know what's in it. Right, right, right. But the, but you know what's in it is something from Amazon. So yeah. I get like a manifest basically. And like you can do just home fully goods. Blown. You can do just clothing. You can do whatever. And I got into it because I fell in love with this, you know, um, 45 year old bald metal head, um, in Indiana on YouTube who he, he is married. I hate to say, like, I literally <laughs> oh, would no. drop my life for this man, yeah, no. this man <laughs> who sells Amazon returns. He has like a dollar store out in Indiana. My best friend, ladies and gentlemen. I'm in love with him. So I love him. I'd leave, I would leave my, I would leave my life. Um, but <laughs> he was, does these videos where he unboxes stuff, um, and I was like, wow, that's so interesting because apparently everything that gets returned to Amazon outside of the factory ceiling, which is like, let's say you order like a splendid T-shirt on Amazon, it comes in a plastic bag. Right. When you rip open that plastic bag, they can no longer sell that item. Right. So the returns all go into these big boxes. Some of it, like they will check like the white items, mm -hmm. which is like really nice when you get a nice pair of like white Levi's or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Such, I am so weird, but like, <laughs> and like, I mean that genuinely. Um, I, uh, so then they go to a warehouse because Amazon quickly kind of sort of, I mean, they have to turn this stuff really quickly. Yeah, they got to get it out of their store. Yeah, and yeah. they have so much. And so I did notice like the first week of January, some of my stuff had Christmas stuff in it already, just to give you an idea of how quickly wow. it turns. Wow, wow, wow. So Are you starting to consider a life being an Amazon own shop shop no owner? I'm just I, I'm fascinated about sort of like the Venn diagram of like fashion and like if that's your interest and then also the hustle so it's the that's hustle the, for me that's, that's my uh, that's my addiction but I love it so my mom was like a my mom was basically like Sophia Amoroso like back in the day where she would always just be flipping finds that she would find at like Goodwill or whatever she's an amazing gotcha. eye and like that business has a lot of overhead mm. and like this is by the way a hobby like right, this right, right. started out as like a sick ass hobby where I was like I'm gonna unbox all my stuff like franchise kicks and I'm gonna sell it in like a little storage unit and then now it's like a, I have a fucking employee so like, it, <laughs> it started out as like a hobby but you like, enjoy it all this stuff does yeah That's but awesome. like it would be nice if I had That's a hobby awesome. that wasn't a fucking part-time job you right, know right, what right. I mean That's fair. That's fair. I have all when I was conmarrying my house I found like clay and mark and like all these ideas of crafts that I yeah. thought that I was going to live out in my head. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I just want a store. Yeah. Um, I like to play store. So 
Yeah, I don't know. Why did I get onto this? Amazon returns. Really what sure. were we talking about before that? Uh, the the scandal. It's called cheating scandal. Yeah. Mm. Not sure if we're gonna find my way back okay. to what that started. <laughs> that started with. I was maybe by the end of the episode. Maybe. But I was saying something about Amazon returns, college. I don't know. We'll have to work on that the later. Store. The store. I was just, I had to stop and explore. Uh, yeah, that I was. I'm sorry for getting us off track, <laughs> no, but I'm fascinated. No, it's not something that you can just say. Like, you I, like that in your life <laughs> where you're like, it's a hobby or like it's a hobby that turned into a part-time job? Not really. I actually like feel a little vexed that I don't have like a proper hobby because I feel like I'm like all of us, like we're lucky to get to do what we love for a living. Yeah. And so everyone in this room, not everyone listening, I don't want to <laughs> be, I'm not that obtuse. Um, but uh, So I love what I do so much. Like my hobbies often surround like, you know, oh, let's like watch some old, old AFI top 100 shit that I, I haven't seen, that. you know, like, or, you know, going to the museum and just like doing the most artsy things possible. But yeah. I want to be able to be like, you know what I do? I, I'm puzzles. So you're you're a get out of the house person. I'm a, a pretty I'm pretty squarely a homebody, but yeah. I do like to go out for like very homebody activities, like museums. Sorry, the dog is just he's doing that thing where he can stay. He's just doing that thing where it's like pick me up, no, don't touch me. Mm. Um, that's a that's a fun game. I yeah, I my friend went to see the Dolly Parton thing the other day, and I was like, neither of us leave our house. Why didn't you call me? Right. Like I love Dolly Parton. That would have been amazing. Yeah. But I am impressed by people that like go fill their life with something artful or something. Yeah. And I'm also impressed by people that sit at home and like fucking use the loom or whatever. Do yeah. you know? Yeah. Like I have Super all these crafty. friends that do I just started cross stitching ceramics. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. What do you do? I just started cross stitching. Oh, you would be good at that. Yeah. yeah. I like going keep your hand busy, but I can still do something else, like yeah. watch a show or something like that. You're a fidgeter. That's yeah. perfect for you. Yeah, That's perfect for I you. I have uh I have uh I wanted to knit for a long time. Mm. I wanted to be like, oh, this is like I'm on especially early in my career because it was a lot of just like being on set for 14 hours, Same. saying one line and then waiting again. And so I was like, oh, I can like do something. Um, I could have, I could be reading, but I wanted, and I just made scarves. <laughs> I always feel like that. I'm like, I should be reading. Like, I, I was like, I should be reading. So Hollywood, though. It's so like, Hollywood, but it honestly, it's something I picked up in New York and left in New York. Like I haven't even touched it and it only ever made, made scarves. I have one really good girlfriend who she like makes sweaters and knows how to like use this, the, this, the one with the, String the curly, it, the, the one. curly one and like patterns and stuff. I was like, no, I just know how to be like, let's just Straight line. let's just keep going until you just want to stop. And <laughs> if it's short, it's a placemat. If it's long, it's a scarf. I was You're making. I was taught to knit when I was like seven, and I never got past that one stitch. I'm I still like, don't know, but you don't need sliding more. into like auntie activities. Like auntie as activities. I, as I'm getting older, because I have two nieces, oh. so I like I want to be like the cool aunt, but I'm like very quickly becoming like older auntie. Yeah. <laughs> what are you cross stitching? Um, just like this pattern I got off Etsy. Oh yeah, yeah. You're gonna keep it a secret. I'll show it to you later. Oh, okay. Mm. I have not loves to keep a secret from me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, actually, do you want to talk about what we talked about after we got off mic last week about <laughs> how you can't tell people after? <laughs> so Christina <laughs> likes to not tell anyone anything. This it's, girl it's stayed not, in a Tampa it, okay. Hojo's because she didn't want to tell her friends that she like missed her flight. Oh. And then the next day, 
told her friends like, oh yeah. And they were all like, Christina, why didn't you tell us? And I said, that's the part. I said, you can't, that's the part where you feel helpless as a friend. Yeah. Because I can't go back and take away the night at Hojo's. Yeah. But I also would have never let you sleep at a Hojo's. So then, but you want people to know. because you. I just want to give you the cliff notes story. I left my backpack at the hotel when I left for the airport. And so that made me miss my flight. And I was, I, I thought I would still be able to catch a later flight, but there wasn't another flight until the next morning. Right, right, right. So I was already on the way to the airport, so I needed some place to stay. Right. It was a Tampa base. Howard Johnson. And by yes. the way, she has friends there, though. And this is, I'm not, and I by the way. I just left, like, this retreat, feel, women's retreat yeah. or whatever. It's this thing, and I don't know if it's a cultural thing or if it's, a, like, a Latino thing, but, like, it's, like, my problem is for me to deal with. I no. relate so hard. Like, I have been accused by many a friend, especially my close friends. They're like, Natasha, we realized that you were going through like World War Four by yourself. And you tell us like after the fact, because I'll be like casually meant to be like, oh, my God, guys. OK, no, no, no. Last week, it was like I was crying. I cried myself to sleep. But afterwards, I found and they were like, wait, why didn't you like reach out when you were in trouble? And I'm very much like my biggest fear in life is being an imposition. And so I feel very seen by this story. And I hear this and I'm like, oh, I would legit do the same thing. Right. But but from the friend's standpoint, I'm like, how dare you? Because we're together on the, we're together on the panic of it, the shame around it. Like I'm the same way as Christina. If I lost my license or anything before an airport thing, I would have a meltdown and then I'd try maybe go into like some sort of like panic or try and fight fight or flight mode sort of thing. Yeah. I get it. But then what are we supposed to do when you tell us the next day? Because I would do anything in the world to prevent you from staying in like a a roach motel. (laughs) If I knew that, like I'd come pick you up. Like I just, I, and I just, when, when you tell the next day, it's like (laughs) my friends, I've been like, this is, this is definitely, I have like one of my really close friends she's just like it's it's painful for her and she actually we were on a trip um I have like this group of girlfriends that I do like a big international trip each year and this last year we were in Greece and we we're sitting down and I was just like what a one like look at us living our lives this is great and she's just like we need to talk and I was like oh no like it's something wrong with the other girls and she's just like you have to start communicating yeah. when you were like even when you're in the gray area of like I don't know what I'm gonna do you can't just come to us with what you've done. Yeah. Not you need to include uh, us in that so part. I feel so seen in this story. So right? I just Thank feel God. like I just I I will encourage you that moment to me cuz I didn't realize that cuz as someone who doesn't want to be an imposition to someone right. that by withholding uh those moments of need and vulnerability on my part I was robbing her of being a friend to me. Right, right. And right. I was being a friend to her like she was calling me like at, you know trauma after trauma and it made me feel so great to be there for my friend and she's just like give me an opportunity to feel great right and I was like well shit yeah <laughs> and it was a real like oh eye-opening moment yeah. so if anything it's something my I'm really glad that on. we brought that up again <laughs> I was like maybe I'm pushing it but this was what you needed to hear yeah. thank you for being for seeing, for I feel sharing. Seeing. <laughs> right. So like the thing that I've been covering in therapy is that disclosure is an issue for me. Like I don't mm, know when right. to disclose things. Right. Yeah. And so like I've 
you know, I've had problems in my friendships where like I, yeah. you've told me like I, I, I don't tell you enough about my life. And so I yeah, am telling but you I these also things. can be like so like ratty. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah. I, I told you, you know, and I yeah. mean I told my friends because that's me learning, like figuring out the disclosure part. I'm yeah. still learning that. Yeah. Like yeah. Latino culture is very secretive. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Thrive on chismosa. Yeah. Like <laughs> so like we're, Secret I'm not secrets. used to like she won't tell me what stuff. breakfast cereal she eats. I do I'm now. Like, no. <laughs> but like that's you I was know. just like she asked me one day, I was she was like, What'd you have for breakfast? And I was like, cereal. And she was like, what kind of cereal? Because I, I just like, wanted Why do you need to, to know? I wanted to picture you being happy eating your breakfast. Like, that's how my mind works. Because I'm was, like, oh, how much did you love your breakfast? Like, I don't, you know, like, I'm. It was Crispix, and I thought you were going to, like, no, I love me for loving, like, a no, boring cereal. I never like read you for. No, I love um, Cracklin' Oat Bran is the best cereal, and it's so underrated. And that shit's like $8 a box. Same with Quaker Oat Squares. They know mm. this is the really good shit. They know. And you know. I what's, just what cereals in your rotation? Well, right now it's just uh, Honey Nut Cheerios, and I am a real freak. I eat it, I dry, like mm. I don't put milk I in my cereal. I love Honey Nut Cheerios because, like, for I was like lactose intolerant snack. as a kid, and this was like pre silk milk, pre like every other kind of milk oat ever. Milk oat thing. milk, right? So when I was younger, I would just like do Apple Jacks dry, and my mom would just be like, "I was like, I just don't like milk," and it wasn't that I didn't like it; I couldn't process it. Um, but even now that there are tons of milk in my fridge for like my coffees and stuff, I still like uh, fuck with some dry cereal. Yeah, I'm proud of you for growing out of that. Yeah, it's usually the other way. Oh, really? Like, people in their 30s just can't handle dairy anymore. I feel like that. Oh been no, I still can't. Up. I mean, it's oh, cons- you still are. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you grew out of it. Oh no. Um. Okay. I grew out of my shame about not <laughs> telling people I don't put milk in my cereal. Now I don't care. Proud of you guys. We've already done so much work today. We've really grown. But I feel like we need to reach into some of you guys' hearts and your lives and minds uh, and take some calls. Hey, Malls, Christina, Wags, and guests. Um, I recently interviewed for a position last week at like one of the biggest companies in the world. It's my dream job, but it's super competitive. Um, I interned there this summer and was highly recommended by some more senior staffers. So I bypassed the whole like HR situation and got an interview straight with the person who would be my boss. Um, I flew in for an interview last week and it seemed to go really well. Um, The thing is the position does like different work from what I did over the summer. And again, it's super competitive. So when they had me do sort of like a skills test, um, I felt like I bombed it, um, and now I feel like the position could kind of, like, go either way on whether or not I would get it. Um, they said they need to fill the position quickly and would be making a decision, like, this week, and it's Thursday, and I haven't heard anything back. So I know these things, like, take time, so I'm not freaking out about that part. I more just really want your advice on this. So, like, more than 10 people, honestly, maybe possibly, like, 15 came up to me in the office when I visited for my interview and were like, so excited to see me. Like, oh, my God, what are you doing? You're hugging me, wishing me luck. Um, One of them was actually like a high-up executive, like higher than the woman who would be my boss. And um, she was so excited to see me and told me that, um, uh, that she told the woman who would be my boss that she would be an idiot not to hire me. But, like, Again, like, I feel like the position could still go either way. And basically, my question is, I'm terrified of not getting the position after having been sort of, like, paraded around the office. 
like I would be mortified if after all this I didn't get it. So, like, what do I do to avoid things being super awkward with all, like, the connections I've made with people at this company if I don't get the position, especially because, like, I would still be unemployed and and wanting and needing somewhere to work, and these are kind of, like, my only connections are with people at this company. So I'm worried of looking like an actual fool um, if I don't get this position. So, um, yeah, please advise, please, please, you guys are so so awesome with all your advice and especially stuff with people's work situations. So, um, yeah, thank, I, I want to say thank you for your podcast. It has done wonders for my life. Um, yeah, so please advise. Thanks. Love you. Bye. What do you think? It's intense. Yeah. I know. She I, sounds very type A. Yeah. I'm stressed. Yeah. It was a very sort of – you can tell how much it means to her. Yeah. I think as an actor, you also deal with that kind of churn in sort of like job hunting. Or- yeah. I think like the – the in the Venn diagram of sort of an actor-writer life in this, because this sounds corporate, Yeah. Um, is there's very little you can control. Mm. And if you're someone who needs that, especially in an interview process, that'll be exacerbated by the interview process. Because once you get the job, then if it's like a classic sort of office job, you'll, you're able to control a lot. Yeah. But this is the one sort of stopgap where it will probably, I mean, and has spent her out. Um, I've, I've done this. I've applied for a job in an office and I didn't get that job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I know the exact kind of anxiety that she's dealing with. But it's also just, like, that's the nature of the corporate game. Like, yeah. you're not the first right. person to, like, be an inner office uh, recruit. Yeah. And it hasn't worked out. And just know that I think I, this is a thing because there's a lot of, like, anxiety in there. And it's, like, you're churning and you're churning and you're churning for something that, A, might not happen. But, B, right. you have no control over whether or not it happens. Right. So you're, like, increasing your suffering even though the, like, pain to your ego is going to happen. But you don't need to suffer that right. much. Um, I have uh, – if well, I process things through creating a narrative. And I'm going to tell you that I think this is my interpretation of, of what's going on here. I think that this girl, this is like, she just had a great summer internship and this is like her first big job in the yeah. in the adult world, right. right? It sounds like there is some sort of connection, familiar, familial or otherwise, for all of these people to, I mean, maybe she was the world's greatest intern, but it sounds like there's some sort of like friendliness or existing relationship there. Um, I would not be embarrassed about being paraded around the office if you don't get this job because everyone's adults and you will see in the real world that people that are there now, they're going to be in a different job in another year and it's good to have a fan anywhere you go. It's also like the world seems very small when you're starting out and you don't realize that collecting friends and acquaintances and that all will add up in the long run and it's not embarrassing. Not at all. Um, It's also a good sign of like, if you don't get this job, they they will think of you for another job that you may actually be better for. That's exactly right. So this is my thought on what's going on with the hiring. I think that you were probably a very strong candidate and your test scores may be something that is like, uh, it could be an issue for them. And they might, it sounds like they might be taking more candidates for interviews on. Yeah. This is where you have to do 
what I mean, my my mom taught me this. This was like a whole thing my whole childhood, which is just advocate for yourself and be assertive. And so I would just if I were you, you know, send a follow up email on Monday or Tuesday just saying, you know, hey, I'm you know really interested in this. I want to know if you came to a decision. I mean, sometimes you just got to ride their dick without being crazy about it. <laughs> but people need to know that you care about it yeah. and that you're interested and yeah. that you will show up and do a good job and learn where you might have like messed up on a test. You know, a test is not a real day at work. It's yeah. just a test. So, um, I mean, I would continue to like, you know, just push for yourself, not aggressively, but somewhat aggressively. And, you know, ask them at the very end, make sure you're writing thank you notes and that you say, please keep me in mind for any other positions and, you know, just check it in with them once in a while. Yeah. But if you don't get this gig here now, I think that people, it sounds like people do want to be around you. Um, and I think it's a really bad plan to ever just expect one job to work out. Yeah. It's, yeah, I think you should absolutely be checking out other options. And I would say that like two things. One, it sounds like there is this feeling of not deserving this job and feeling sort of lucky to be in that company. And you described it as uh, the top company in, to in, in the country. Um, and at that level, they don't do favors. That's like the best advice I've ever gotten personally in my own career is that at a certain level, you can't think, you know what, they just took this pity on me and are spending this time on me and taking the time to do. No, they, there's too much money to make and the, they care very little <laughs> about It'll emotion. It'll get your foot in the door, your but foot it won't door. keep you there. Yeah. And I feel like the fact that the, your boss's boss has taken to you and sees you as an asset is not something they're doing as a favor. So just, I also feel like, um, just feel deserving of the opportunity. And if it's not there, just be able to articulate your willingness to, uh, grow in your area of growth, like where, where they see a deficit, speak to them in terms of, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, I am willing to do the work to get to where I need to be at that, you know, at that level in that particular area. So that way I can shine across the board. But you're definitely, in their estimation, a worthwhile person to be spending time sure. with. Because to go in for this interview, to be make it through all of these rounds, to be walked around the office, um, that's exceptional. But it also, there are other companies that would do the same. So I think keep your options open, uh, feel deserving of the opportunity, and just be really articulate about what you're willing to do to get the job. Yeah. So this reminds me a lot of like, I don't know if you guys felt this way. It reminds me a lot of like, I just thought everything, I didn't know that there would be an option outside of my life plan when I was that age. Mm -hmm. And I was just really like focused on things working out. You will, yeah, you'll figure it out. Yeah. I just you feel always like, will figure I, it out. yeah, I feel, I feel Sometimes like. Sometimes your back needs to be against the wall and like that's yeah. when like so much clarity happens to like, I know it's stressful yeah. and it's just like, oh, I want to get, I want to get started. And also like some job interview process can take a long time. Mm -hmm. Like the current yes. job that I had, it took me three months. I was like, it was oh, a wow. whole three month process. Yeah. Um, sometimes they'll ask for like free work too. Yeah. They're like, oh, especially when you do like editorial journalism type stuff. It's like pitch this thing do and then this like, little extra thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, can you really fit our voice? Like, yeah. why don't you write an art a whole article or plan a whole layout or something yeah. like that? And it's like, it's a long process. It's a long and process. So it's and kind of no like dating, actually, right? Where it's like yeah. you're you have to go through a lot, and then you'll connect with something. Yeah. But do it's you like, think there's a world? In, sorry, <laughs> in which she can ask to take the test again. 
No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't imagine it at that level, but I also think that like, um, there's also, there's tons of communication after, at this point. Right. Where they're just like checking in on you, just, just like letting you know we're having a lot of conversations still. Yeah. And like when in those moments she can communicate her willingness to test again or to, you know, take whatever courses she needs to do to get to where they need to be. Just let them be aware. I don't know if they'll be able to test again, but. I think that, like, because what she was saying is that, like, you know, she's scared of the embarrassment. Yeah, and oh, I of think course. that yeah. fear is the presumption that other people are thinking about you as much as you are thinking about you. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. And, <laughs> you need to they, yeah. and it's just like one of those really humbling things to be like, they kikied with you in the office, yeah. but then they moved on to that because they have shit to do. Yeah. So you are ruminating while they have moved on. So yeah. if you don't Ooh. get it, it will be more devastating for you than for them. And I think the embarrassment comes in thinking that they're thinking about you. Yeah. So elite, like relieve yourself. <laughs> Is it even more embarrassing that like, you're not even a thought at right. all? Like, yeah. right, right, right. Well, I mean, I think hopefully that will, uh, allow the stakes to be where they need to be and yeah. not overinflate them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. It's about setting expectations. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to know what that company is. So DM me <laughs> privately. And um, yeah, like let us know. Keep us updated and let us know what happens yeah. next. All right. So stressful. I know. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of you, girl. Take a breath. All right. Well, let's take our next call. Hi, Malls, Christina, and guest. Uh, my name is Anna, and I'm in my early 30s, and I live in a large city in the South. I wanted to hear your thoughts about navigating friendships and family relationships when your income goes way up. So you live in Los Angeles. I'm sure you know some people who have gone from rags to riches. So my story is that I'm married to a physician. Um, he was in training for a decade or so, and I'm very proud of him because he's in a, he's in a really noble field of medicine. He's, he's paid well for making genuinely useful contributions to the world. We don't come from money ourselves. We had very middle class. New England childhoods, and we had to navigate the recession and student loans just like everyone else. But things have changed now. Our income is much, much higher, and the money is fun, but I'm having trouble making friends because most most wealthy people in my city are some level of depraved Republican, like, seal-clubbing asshole, and I can't stand them. But the newfound financial success is making some of my oldest friendships awkward, no matter how low-key I try to keep things, because <laughs> the gulf between our incomes is noticeably high, and to make matters worse, my husband's salary is completely Googleable. It's tied to his first and last name on the Internet. Anyone in my life can figure out what he makes in five seconds, and they have. They have done that Googling. And, you know, my second problem besides friends is family. Um, my parents are aging. Their health is poor. Their financial situation is getting noticeably worse. And I come from this kind of grit your teeth, like blue collar, New England Democrat, Roman Catholic, rural background. And so my parents would never ask me for anything. They're not leeches. And we're all very bootstrappy and independent in our way. But my spouse and I don't make enough to just wave a magic wand and solve all of our family members' problems. So my question is, what are the practical steps to navigating this new phase of life? How do you help your family if you have the resources to do so? What does that actually look like? 
do you write them a check every month, which that feels really strange to me? Or do you just get really generous with gifts and holidays? Or, or do you start saving to buy them a small retirement condo? I, I don't I don't know what I want to do, but I feel like I should do something. What would you do? Please advise. Thanks. Okay. Someone else go first. <laughs> Natasha, you want to take this? Oh, man. That's a lot. It's all, it's, it's, it's like, it sounds like she is feeling survivor's remorse. You know, she has the guilt of having succeeded and the pressure of trying to like be a benefactor to her friends or to her family and trying to relate to her friends, but she's at a different vantage point. I think there was a little bit of defensiveness in there sometimes Mm. in the way she was like phrasing Well, because it's her husband's money. Yeah. And hers. I think that like, or did I mishear that? I mean, it's, like, it's well. I mean, rich, she might have she, she might have well money, herself, but he's, like he's the one the... that's like the. This is why our situation's very different. Right. Yeah. Um. I'll tell you the first thing, just to answer your parents' question. The best way to help family is um not through like giving a check, but rather cover their bills. So like go through your accountant and properly yeah. like pay their rent. The best question about how to deal with. Yeah. That is also to ask them, do they want a condo? Do they want to go to a retirement facility? Yeah. Do they want to, you know, what's what do they want to be with the family? Those are but the worst thing to do is just give anyone, especially people with money management problems, which pretty much anyone who goes from poor to wealthy is right. going to have. Right. I when I went, was working on two broke girls after having $37 when they hired me, I was the last person you should give a network television salary to because I also came from a very similar situation except in that I was um, just as poor as all my friends. And right. and so many of my friends had like covered things for me over the years or treated me to things like my more successful friends or whatever, like people who also – just like had the cash when I didn't and all of it, like I was paying for everything for everyone just like because I felt like I, I wouldn't have anything with all the without all the people in my right. life um so and I know that your situation's a little bit different but I um I guess I will say like good for you on not getting caught up in the impulse to just treat everyone in your right. life like that's dangerous yeah I have no problem like splitting a check now but there was a long time where I was like oh no 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 no, we won't do that I'll just I would rather just pay like yeah. I yeah. paid for a group of eight people to eat dinner one night because I didn't want to hear the conversation around the bill anymore mm-hmm. like I was uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I was like just take this because like that's the that's like a piece of freedom that money can buy now I'm in, thank God, I'm in a much more practical place in my life. So like I knew how to handle like stuff like when Hello Giggles sold because I live very like humble now. Yeah. But I, congratulations to you on that because I don't think that that's, you do see a lot of people go from right. rags to riches and you don't see many people do it successfully. So yeah. good yeah. for you on that. And definitely get counsel. Like get, uh, it, and I'm sure you probably already have like a money manager or financial advisor, but lawyers. have a, lawyers, but have a conversation with that team about uh, family planning and what you need to do for your parents that is long, long term sustainable and not sort of just like a quick fix or something that um, feels good, like a car or like, you know, a new house or whatever. But what are the things that will help them long-term that fit within your financial plan. Cause there's a difference between being broke, not being broke, being rich and being wealthy. Yes. And a lot of people think 
like I'm, you know, in LA doing all this stuff or whatever. I'm just not broke anymore. Like yeah. I was broke for a very, very, yeah. very, very extreme long time. And when you come to places like LA or New York, you understand that there's a difference between not broke and rich and rich and wealthy. And you seem to be on this sort of ascension to wealth, and to sure. wealth, yeah. and that kind of family wealth. You need to have that family money management, so that way you you're not the first person to need to help their parents. Yeah, so you're Someday not the first you person. You two can scam your child into college. Yeah, you two one day could buy your kid into it is USA. the truth though like that like you know they graduated graduated into the same recession i did like this is pretty pretty remarkable that he hunkered down for all those years of medical school earned this money years. i wonder if she like helped put him through medical and i yeah and I, by the way when i say your husband's money i don't mean it as dismissively as it sounds it's how you presented it for the most part so i will just say that that's another reason why i bumped on it because i was like to what extent is this like his wealth, your wealth, y'all's wealth. Or just like, yeah. is this really a problem? Like, you know, like it doesn't sound like you're working all the time. So you have very little time to spend with your friends that right. you can't decide if they're rich or poor. I, I just don't. I understand why she doesn't want to hang out with a bunch of strictly wealthy people. But I am having a hard time understanding not being not being able to keep up with your I don't know. I don't know. Keeping up with your friends in a way. I would, I would I, just pay yeah. for everyone. I kind of want to dig so into that like this. social element of yeah. it all because she did talk about like belonging to this other group now technically but yeah. not really fitting in with all, any of those people. Right. And like the call, the, the wealth part of the call I couldn't relate to because I still work in public radio. So right. <laughs> that's not, but like being in a different world yeah. that's complete like beyond almost beyond comprehension from where you came from a yes. little bit. Like that's a jarring and not feeling like you belong there. Yeah. That's kind of a jarring thing that's really tough to deal and with. And it sounds like with her, there's another layer where she's currently at in the South. People who are at her level of affluence don't share her her political and moral sort of compass. Yeah, totally. So it's even more isolating. Joining so, the country club won't work for her. Right. It won't yeah. work for her because, you know, they're going to, you know, hold Trump rallies. So like, I think that um engaging with your friendship circle in the same way that you have been is something that you have to calibrate because if this is your rock solid core group of people that got you through 10 years of medical school approaching them with just like let's all go to nice you know <laughs> may not work so you need to be like oh if we all if the way we kicked it was going to bush gardens go to bush gardens with yeah, them yeah bush like, gardens is still fun it's still dope like, as fuck forever whatever fast pass like pay for the have. fast pass, yeah. but let them pay for their own ticket. Like you yeah. have to be able to calibrate and let people feel autonomy. Yeah. And also you can't, you have to adjust your expectations to where they are. Yeah. And if you have visions of yachting in Nice, make some friends that ha can, can yacht, make some yacht friends and then do that. <laughs> but it seems like your state is keeping you from meeting yacht friends that you right. know, believe in a woman's right to choose. Yes. Well, one way to find other like-minded, wealthy people would be to get involved with a charity or to start, yes. a, start a charity that's yes. going to attract people that are of your same status. Yes. And then maybe you guys can all go to Nice on a yacht and like just not and also believe yeah. in a woman's right to choose together. So I think, you know, that there are creative options for you. And yeah. thankfully, you're in a position where you can throw money at experimenting with that. Yeah. And, you know, I, yeah, I think, yeah, 
getting involved with the political thing can be smart and also long like bigger picture a charity for sure i think for sure like that's what wealthy people are supposed to do yeah there are democrats below the mason dixon line and you just need to find them and they're usually trying to fight for fight against inequality so i totally agree those might be the best rich people it's like southern democrats with billions of dollars that's Mm -hmm. dope how like how does everyone have so much money like how does someone have a hundred million dollars i'm sorry i can't move past it (laughs) it's so so much money what does that look like on a bank receipt like i can't imagine i can't I'd be like, this is too much. You have to take half. Like, this is embarrassing. Yeah. I don't know. It feels also just like what, like. I just like can't even think of what I could spend all that on. No. Just because I still have that sticker shock of being a poor person. A poor yes. person, right? You know what yes. I mean? Like, even when you can't afford things, you're still like, I'm, how much for this bag? I, yeah. Speaking of Apple Jacks, I have a very vivid memory of putting Apple Jacks on a full credit card when I was in my <laughs> in my studio in Brooklyn. And that was like luxury. I had a bad day and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to get some Apple Jacks. And that image you paid of interest on interest. Apple Jacks. I, pay, I just paid off those Apple Jacks. Like for me, that image of me sort of like struggling to the point that like a fancy box of cereal was like luxury is like in my rearview mirror and Objects in this mirror are closer than they appear. So yeah. I, there's no version of me in this area of my life where I'm like not broke anymore, where I like act up because I remember what it was like to be like, I, I called my mom at one point when I was in DC and she at that time was living in Maryland. And I was like, can you order pizza and have it sent to me? Cause I can't, I'm hungry. Aww. And like, I, and she was just like, yeah, I got you, you know, like to help me out. And so she like had the delivery come, but like those that's like fresh, you know, and I can't yeah. fathom like a hundred million dollars where someone is just like, I don't know how much that costs. Like, Oh, I don't know how much a I flight didn't even is. look at it. Like, yeah, I, I didn't, didn't even, even look at just it. Like, you're just like typing your, car, your no. card number without even thinking about it. Yeah. And they have other people spending their money for them too because it's just like, when are they going to go into a Target? Yeah. I will say that's I mean, Massimo mind just to be like, why is Beyonce was at that Target. It was Hollywood. Was he? Was, no, Beyonce was Oh, Beyonce Target was. She in, was. Like, Woodland Hills or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, mm, I love Woodland Hills. I love um, Beyonce. I, <laughs> that um, pizza thing though is like, it's re- when you're – when your parents take pity on you, I don't know like how you were raised, but for my mom when to yeah. take pity on me, that means that some real I have to be hungry. Yeah. For my mom to be like, oh Jesus, you really do need help. You good? Yeah. And like it is it is like a, a real It just reminded me of the time like I was unemployed and I guess I must have sounded really depressed because my parents surprised me. They like They just showed up. They just showed up. And now I'm like realizing I was like, Oh, I must have sounded really down. Because I I didn't my mom like like, she she offered. I remember she was like, Do you want do you want you want to send a pizza? And I was like, Yeah. Because you could hear in your voice, like money makes you sound different. Yeah. (laughs) Having it and not having it, that's real. Yeah. Like your yeah. voice changes yeah. when you like got a little pep in your step because you got a little bit of like extra. Yeah. Or if it's just hard. So yeah. I just still feel it in my chest. Like I read a lot of Reddit and sometimes like you'll come across a story of saying like this is my situation or whatever. 
And when people talk about just like being so broke that they're like in extreme debt beyond hand to mouth, like I really do. I feel a weight on my chest that's like is like it's like muscle memory of like poorness, just like Mm -hmm. fuck like this is I can't breathe. Like, um, yeah, it's it's really stressful. So I know there are rich people who just go online, GoFundMe (laughs) and start paying people's like medical bills and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like I wish – all of the one percenters were like that. I bought a girl an like, Ariana Grande ticket because I like her YouTube videos. <laughs> there you go. You know, there you go. I sent Help a girl $25 the other night because she had a bad tip. Like at work, one sometimes you got to do just a little, a little 10 bucks here, a yeah. little yeah. five bucks there really will change people's day. Yeah. Like Kamala Harris is trying to do the $500 um, grants mm-hmm. because basically um, the research shows that the difference between being homeless and not being homeless for a lot of people they're like five hundred dollars away and there's we were just talking about how 40 like 40 percent of americans don't even have like four hundred dollars for an emergency right 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 right. and so the idea is to uh and it's just like the micro loans they do in you know other countries but instead of it being a loan it would be sort of a, a safety net to help these families get through and I think one of the things that I try to remember, because I'm the type of person that like, even though I don't have much, I want to be able to help everyone. It's like I'm I stay involved in <laughs> organizations that can do more with my money than my money can do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like trying to get like my little bit to spread as far as possible instead of just like, especially in L.A. When I moved out here, it was shocking. The homeless situation out here is insane. Yep. yep. And I remember seeing Skid Row for the first time, pulling over, full sobbing. And I was like, oh, this is a third world country. Like, there are blocks that look like that. Yeah. And And by the way, Skid Row is a community and it's very scary, but those people look out for each other. It's legit. And that just shows, like, the goodness and humanity that even at your worst moment, like, you will still make a community and stand up for each other. I I I saw someone, like, set up, like, a little charging station. It had, like, a little sign and, like, people could charge their phones there and stuff like that. Yeah. I volunteer at the Downtown Women's Center, which is for you guys listening. (laughs) It's a homeless shelter downtown specifically for women, helping them – to deal with the homelessness that they're experiencing. And it's right on San Pedro. It's like right in uh, Skid Row. Do you know my friend Blair Bercy? No. She does it too. I think she does the same one every Sunday. Oh, that's... Oh, no, I do know. Wait, yeah. no. Do I know Blair? Yes. Yeah, Blair's like one of my oldest yes, friends. Yes, yes. Yeah, she's a writer also. Yeah, and yes. she did like... how She was our video producer. She was patient zero, I call her, because she was the first employee <laughs> at Hello Giggles outside Blair. of the three of us. We started yeah. together. So basically the, the one month, maybe to the day after the election in uh, 2016... We were in the same orientation group and picked mm-hmm. the same Sunday to start. But since then, I've like transitioned into helping them on like the development side and doing their like um, annual awesome. gala. But like for me, that the it I was completely triggered by my experience seeing that that homelessness firsthand. But all of that to say, I know this is not the caller's answer, but see if you can. <laughs> we do that a lot. Yeah, use your That's money uh, for good in ways that can help you and your family. Get financial advisors to help you on how to help your family and like fuck and with your friends charity, in the same ways. That you'll you find like-minded people. Yes, and yeah. charities you will find like-minded people and like engage with your friends in the ways you have been. You've changed. They haven't. So try to mm. be who you've been. Yeah, they haven't. That's nice. <laughs> Everything changes in life, mm-hmm. except for sometimes your really old friends. Yeah. Like, 
that's a great way that's to a hard put thing it. To know too, it's mm-hmm. just like when you outgrow your friends, or like when your friendship situation changed. There was actually a whole episode about that on Insecure, where she was oh, like, yeah. was throwing the baby baby shower, yeah. and like you know, it was a group of single friends and one friend settling down. And like, what happens when your friend has a baby? Your best friend yeah. has a baby, and what does that mean? It changes everything. We've gotten that call mm. quite a bit. That's right. You have. You're the one who's changed. Your friend. Your friends haven't. Mm-hmm. Fuck. And that's a hard thing to realize. Yeah. Fuck. And you have to just like figure out. Like you. You have to. I think you have to calibrate how you express your success around your friends and I think that it'll look different for each friend and I think but try to set your expectations based on who you know them to be yeah and not be disappointed by the fact that they can't do what you want to do now because you've got a little bit of scratch you know like- <laughs> wait a minute wait I did forget there's there's one part of this call that we did not address that I think we should which is people that have a handout now that you are rich, like people that, you know, in your extended family or whatever else. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you did say like, don't cut them a check, cover their bills. But I mean, that's for her parents. But like, what about that friend that all of a sudden, like I, I had, I had to learn a couple of people in, were in my life, like expecting a handout for the wrong reasons, you know, when like I would have probably given them money if I didn't think that I, if I didn't know that they were looking at me like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And this woman is in an actual real position to probably change people's lives Mm. in a big way. And I like, I mean, think about your friends that haven't done that. That's your core group. Yeah. If that's like another thing, because I know you mentioned how to deal with that. I mean, unfortunately, like I think I think any if if family members are it's really um that's your answer. Yeah. Like when someone asks that's your answer. Like yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's heartbreaking cuz yeah. like you do find out money changes families. Like yeah. when someone dies, a will will change a family, oh, man. blah blah yeah. blah, all that stuff. That's so right. yeah, you I mean you might find out that some of your cousins are shitty people or something mm-hmm. like that and yeah. that sucks. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Damn. Money is a real big issue. I yeah. hate I hate numbers altogether. Um, do you but want I to think take a it's new like call? Because, oh, okay. because we have this stigma. Just one thing real quick. Yeah. Because we have this stigma of like, don't talk about religion. Don't talk about politics. Don't mm. talk about money. We right. can't talk about it. We don't know how to navigate those right, very vital we, conversations. We have to figure out how to talk about it. But I do think that like if a, fair, a friend or family member asks for money or asks for a hand or asks for help, I think you have to answer that with, um, I'm not able to to meet you where you are. Um, but if ever i I'm able to, to give, then that's something that I could consider because you have to be able to offer like, cause you don't want them to rob you of that, that opportunity. Right. right. So it might even be just communicating that and be like, you know, like, I know you've asked, but like, I would love the opportunity to offer. So let's wait for that to arise Yeah. and try to set those boundaries. So those, I remember <laughs> I, I took my nephew, I have a nephew who's eight, <laughs> Uh, and a niece who's 11, or she's about to be 11. Oh, wow. Um, we went to Target. Shout out, Target. Um, <laughs> and they're kids, right? So they don't, like, they have no concept of money. Like, me having $10 in actual green cash, they're like, she's bloated. <laughs> but I went to the store, and my nephew is just like, he's at that age where he just asks for everything. And I remember I said to him before we got out of the car, I was just like, I, it, um, if you ask for something, I'm not going to give you anything. 
I was just like, but if you don't ask for anything, I'll get you something. And he just sort of looked at me. He's like, okay. And sort of nodded with understanding. We're walking around and he like pulls me over to, <laughs> to the freezer and there's some bagel bites. He goes, I'm not asking for this. I just want you to know I like these. <laughs> And I was like, that is so funny. We're just I like, love the way that kids like, yeah. learn how to negotiate things. Like yeah. That. And yeah. I feel like, you know, I guess that's maybe what your, your family's <laughs> turning into a little eight year old kid who wants the bagel bites and you just have to teach them the language. Be like, you know, let me know what's going on with you and I'll let you know if I can help. Yeah. 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 Great advice. Um, did you get the bagel bites? I did. <laughs> he pointed to them and he was just so like, I'm, Aunt Tasha, I am not asking. I love that. And then we walked for like 25 minutes walking around the store and I looked at him and I was like, go get the bagel bites. He like took off right and he was like, he's like, I earned the bagel bites. I would want some those... bagel bites for me too. Legit. They're so what good. about those junk food, those little like, Ooh. you know, like. Uh... There's that level of like bad pizza that mm-hmm. is just so specific and so, so good Usually to me. Microwavable. You got to go way bad, like Celeste bad. Oh, like, it has to go pizza all the rolls? way down to nothing. Yeah, I love it. A toastino pizza yeah. roll. That's my shit. I'm gr- so gross. Where I like, if I want to be decadent, I'll put it in the oven. But oh. I'll put them in the microwave. Oh yeah, I don't have a microwave in this house. We cook burritos in the oven. That's it hosts. I actually have one in the garage because mm. I'd want to. Some things you got a microwave, but. I do like to treat myself to a finely baked bagel bite. It just makes the crust that much crispier. It makes it like, oh, I really care about myself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm treating this myself I'm today. treating myself, but I have, <laughs> I've been accused of throwing them in the microwave and just eating soft Totino's and being <laughs> totally satisfied. Yeah, yeah. toaster yeah. ovens too, man. Yeah. Okay, let's... Oh, I did have a quick question for you. Um, I'm curious as to what the line is. Uh, like when people recognize you from the sh- from insecure, mm-hmm. what's like the line they quote most to you? Or because you mentioned growth, and instantly I was oh, like right. thinking of that gesture. Because I still use that you in everyday that. conversations. It's like I had a lot of growth this year, and like I think the the um, it's the it changes. Like the first season, it was um, uh, you gonna get a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Because of what I said to Issa and then uh, growth was that that season and last season was um, uh, remember me different. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But it's like it, it's it depends on the person if they like quote or whatever. But I get on social media. I get a lot of people giving me that gift. <laughs> I have another question about just fame in general. What about why do people just grab you when they people grab? <sighs> I don't like it. Yeah. Does that happen to you? I've been, I, it, it, it varies. Some people will, I was walking around yesterday uh, at a home, not a home goods, a restore. Do you guys know this? Quick aside. Okay. No. Habitat for Humanity. This might speak to your, um, your store. Oh yeah. Uh, Palette. Yeah. yeah. Store pal. Yeah. Um, Habitat for Humanity basically has the uh, several locations called the restore and it's a brick and mortar, huge place where they like sell items that are gently used some more than others um but like that home building stuff yeah but they have like doors and what anyway but i was in one yesterday just like looking. and is it like the benefits go to habitat 100 go to hand so it's just regular house for your stuff like i yeah. can replace my screen door out here yeah and it's that wow. stuff and then what is cool is that a lot of studios when they are like finished with sets and stuff oh. they just donate like that's sick. so they're lightly used for refrigerator was just like on malcolm in the middle or something so it's just it's <laughs> like it's like it's decent um but I was looking uh, around at stuff because I had just learned about it. I was like, oh, let me just see what this is about. 
And a woman was just like, uh, hi, um, I know who you are. I'm not going to bother you. I just want to say that I enjoy your work. And I was like, thank you. And she let me walk around like a normal person, which is great. And granted, I'm like at the, um, my hand is very low right now for those that are listening. I'm like here and Issa is like way up here as far as recognize. So I don't have it as bad as like, uh, <laughs> as I could have it. But there's times when um, like someone, like a lot of people like to hug. Because yeah. my character is very sort of like affable. And so yeah. they're just like, and I, and I don't. I mean, I'm a hugger with the people I want to hug. But at strangers, I'm like, let's shake first. Or yeah. what's your name at least? Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. I people just, feel like entitled to it, I guess. Yeah. That's that's the word I use. I had a friend What, what is it they like, tell Britney Spears some... fans when they're going to meet her? Like, you know Britney. But, but Britney doesn't know, know you. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I had a friend who was just getting like constantly grabbed out in public. And I got to a point where I would just like clear, like, I'd be like, don't touch. Like I'd see someone making a beeline. I'd be like, no touch, you know, like just screaming it because I realized like people will fucking grab you and I don't know what it is, but I personally like, and like, I'm not a hugger necessarily either. Like if I meet someone, if I know who they are, I'll be like, oh, hey, but, um, I would be so disturbed if people were grabbing at me. Oh, and I don't know yeah. how people can make it stop, you know, how, how like how to get that message out. People yeah. drive up to your house if you're famous, you know. People yeah. have no boundaries. People got to get a boundary. They got to get a boundary. I will <laughs> say that in L.A., there's everyone wants to be cool. So mm-hmm. it does happen in L.A., but I feel like when I travel to other places, yeah. it's more like, Oh, because it's a surprise, right? You're like, right. Yeah. I'm here and I'm like, yeah, there's Jack Black at the Jamba Juice. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But if that were anywhere else, be like, whoa, you stepped out of my TV. Yeah. So there's, <laughs> I try to give, have a bit of grace and understanding because it is like, oh, yeah. Yeah. The uh, the best example I ever heard was I knew a guy was in like a cell phone commercial, like that went, went national or something, right? <laughs> yeah. And he was like one person in this cell phone commercial. And someone was like, yeah, he can't go into a mall in Ohio. <laughs> like, <laughs> he will like, and I was like, oh my God, you're right. Like, he's just like some commercial guy, but you see him every day. Like, <laughs> right, he, he's the most famous person. Um, okay, let's take another phone call. Oh, Wags just so gently put his chin on me. <laughs> hey, malls, it's Ashley, uh, at Ashley K. Blue on the Twitters, Natasha. Hey, girl. Um, so excited that you're on the pod with moms this week. So um, I feel like I this is no better duo to ask about. God, white people, listen, um, moms, you are one of the happy, white, joyous, experiences I have on Twitter of a very woke white person. And listen, that number is so far and few in between. It is fucking draining. So um, I have the sad pleasure of working um, in politics right now. I've transitioned into a nonprofit, which is great uh, because it's not as stressful, but I still have to deal with a lot of politicians, um, good and bad. There's a lot of phony white people in that business. Uh there are uh, others in that number who are just as draining, but specifically the white delegation, I have now come to a place in my 30s where I feel like every white person that I know and love, uh, they are in a safe space, and everyone that I don't, like, I just can't deal. Um, I work from home now. 
So when I go into spaces that are majority white, I'm just like, I really don't have to deal with this shit, and I immediately want to go home. Not that I always didn't want to, but now it's like I really don't have to fucking be here, and I want to bounce. But then you're in that dilemma where you want to, you know, add to the ratio of brown in the room. And so so catch 22, my question for y'all is, how do you deal with the draining white people that you're forced to be around um, at work, maybe in your family, um, the friends who, you know, you go back like four flats and you can't just leave them in the dust. Now, a lot of those I have left them in the dust, but there's a couple that I've known since nine where I know they voted for Trump and they're going to vote for him again, but I still love them, you know, like we made mud pies and shit. Um, I just don't really go on their Facebook like that. But, you know, how how do I deal with draining white people when I'm forced to? Um, and how do I not, like, respond with anger like if they step on my fucking shoe or spill some drink on me in the bar um i just i just don't know i just don't know i'm tired i'm too old i'm tired i want to love everybody but everybody don't want to be loved so i would appreciate some feedback on how i can be a better human in that respect and maybe there's no answer that's cool too Oh, I just wanted to say thank you for saying that I'm a white person that you like. I, I that really does mean a lot to me. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna not say anything for a minute. Let you guys go. Um, <laughs> Can't speak to this. <laughs> and you know what? As a good ally, as, as knowing, a good ally, it's no one to, like, no to be quiet. Problem. Yeah, that's, that's legit. <laughs> um, I feel seen by <laughs> by your call. I understand your call. <laughs> Um, and especially under this regime, uh, that is holding the White House hostage, I feel like race relations are exacerbated because they are just loaded with, um, trying to manage each other's sort of triggers, um, what I can say that is, I can only speak to what has helped me. Uh, navigate my interracial friendships um, <laughs> is I have to approach it from a place of grace and understanding um, because there are things that I'm ignorant about and things that I'm not well versed on and the shoes in that I've had in my mouth you know I put my foot in my mouth a ton of times and uh, large gaps of uh, of missing knowledge that I wish I had when engaging with other people in other cultures. So I try to approach it with grace and understanding and empathy. That said, it is exhausting. <laughs> it is tiring. It is grating and burdensome. So you have to regulate your participation in dealing with other people's shit. And I will also say that you have to do what my therapist calls controlling input. So you have to control who you're allowing in your space. And sometimes that may mean your space looks a little homogenous because that is safe. Um, and then other times there, you know, it's more diversified because you're able to engage in other people because you've, you know, like the pilot said, you put the mask on yourself first. And that's sort of how I have to engage in uh, interactions with people who are like-minded with my ideologies and being, you know, 
a super woke black feminist who like wants to take down the patriarchy. Um, if someone's not meeting me at that wavelength, then I need to like take a step back, put on my mask and understand how I need to calibrate and then engage with them from that point of view. Um, and I'll also say that you don't have to teach everyone. Yep. You do not have to uh, solve other people's problems. You don't have to do the work they need to do themselves. Yep. Um, and so if that means taking a step back from certain relationships and letting them know that they have work they need to do before they can engage with you, those are tough conversations. But I will say have them because they will save you. Yep. They will save you time. They will save you energy. Because if those friends that want to engage with you don't want to do the work on their own, then that lets you know that they no longer need to be in your starting lineup. They can't be the people that you trust with your heart because they are not even willing to do the work they need to do to understand you as a person because you as a woman of color are both of those things. You are a woman and a woman of mm -hmm. color. So you can't compartmentalize who you are and engage with people on only one aspect of those things because you're a complete person. So if they're unwilling to see you as a whole person, they don't deserve you. Um, but yeah, I will say have empathy, put the oxygen mask on first, control the input, and definitely um, self-care. And uh, don't feel bad that you have to do you. Yeah. I think there is that kind of like uh, aspect of like you have – you can't always show you, your full self. And that's true for a lot of people. Yeah. But for us, like people of color especially um, – you know, that goes back to moderating like your input, but also your output, right? Yeah. Like what parts of yourself you're showing to the world. Right. Because being judged for that also weighs on you. Yeah. So like, you know how you're supposed to move in those spaces, like, you know, act accordingly or whatever. You should be able to be your full self, but sometimes it doesn't work out. Yeah. And yeah. I think too, the parts of you that you can withhold are the things they don't know. When they look at you, they know that you are a black woman. They know that you are a person of color. So they will come in and have preconceived notions about what that means. They will have reactions to that news when they mm -hmm. meet you um, or if they already know you. Um, so what I'm, my, I'm positing is that that's not something that you can withhold. Yeah. There are other aspects of your thoughts, the way you think about <laughs> the world, speaking on your blackness or about your blackness those are things that you may need to calibrate or think yep. you need to calibrate in circles that don't feel safe. Yeah. Um, however, you enter that space as a woman of color, as yep. a person of color. Um, and I feel like especially because we are in these trying times, you can't, um, for the culture, show up and feel like, oh, well, I got to do this. No, you don't. No, you do not. If you need to sit your ass home and watch like a bunch of black shit and listen to a bunch of black shit and like keep with your family, do that and like heal a little bit because it is draining and exhausting to be a person of color um, when it is a superpower, right? Yeah. <laughs> like I feel like, you know, it, especially, and I mean, when I say it's draining, I, that is not be, <laughs> I don't want to uh, suggest that I feel like it's a burden to be a person of color, but I feel like other people will put their shit on you. That's mm -hmm. the burden I'm speaking to. Mm -hmm. Um, so find moments where you can put that down, that torch and self-care. Like I, that's something I really had to like allow myself to um, do for me is to be like, you know what? I'm going to take a knee on Twitter. <laughs> right, right. I know there's a march downtown. And if my protest sign had a Fitbit, it had thousands of marches on it by now. But you know yeah. what? That's going to stay in the corner. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm going to curl up and I'm going to watch The Office. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which is so white, but it makes me feel good. And I'm going to do that at home, That's play okay. with my little black dog and like have a, a timeout. And then when that happens, I'm able to successfully re-engage because I've taken care of myself, you know? And I think that there are allies that are there that are doing the work and letting people know that um, it's on them. And I would say try to find a, a circle of friends uh, that can reflect the the help that you need to get through through this time. Yeah, I do have a follow-up question to that. It's like, what do you do in those instances where you just don't have the grace in you when you're having those conversations? I think... In those moments, I I even if the grace to sit and um, listen to someone try to explain their ignorance, my my like that, <laughs> my tolerance is very low for that. <laughs> and usually in those moments, because it is like you're dealing with decorum and professionalism, you're in work, especially if she says she's in politics, that's yeah. going to be very prevalent. You don't want to. Um, be combative and I don't mean that being like as a black woman you can't I mean if we don't smile people think that's combative what I'm saying is that as a professional person in a workplace you want to be able to draw boundaries and you have to be able to advocate for them for yourself in that way and I think in those conversations where you do feel like you're being challenged uh, in a way that challenges your grace and your patience and your empathy in that moment is to speak to that and say I appreciate what you're saying um, but I'm unable to hear it right now so we're going to have to take a step away from this conversation and we can re-engage at another time. Yeah. And you have to be as bald as that. You have to be like, listen, this is my wall. You've hit it. And they may look at you like, oh my God, I'm so so sorry. It's not your job to make other people feel better. Mm-hmm. That's real. Yeah. That's real. When they hit your wall and you let them know, you check them on that, let them go lick their own wounds. It's yeah. not your job to make them feel better for having done something to offend you. Um, but if they have take time away from that to breathe and to take care of yourself. Yeah. There, it was interesting you bring that up because uh, I was in a conversation recently about like diversity in the workplace and how you navigate when yeah. someone offends you. And like the advice that somebody was giving was like, oh, assume good intent. Like, And I'm like, mm, that kind of feels like you don't believe my my point of view. Right. You know what I mean? And then it puts the heavy lifting of explaining my pain and my guilt to on me to explain to you. Right. And one one thing I was trying to explain to this person, like my point of view on this approach. Yeah. And I was reading something online. It was like, why assume good intent is a bad way to go about things? Mm-hmm. And it's like, imagine you stepped on someone's foot. Mm-hmm. whether or not you intended to step on that person's foot, right. it still caused pain. Yes. And me knowing that you didn't intend to do it doesn't lessen the pain in my foot. No. Now imagine my foot getting stepped on every day intentionally and not right. intentionally. Right. Like my res- my reaction to that is going to be what it is because I have to deal with it. So yes. it shouldn't be on me to like make you feel better about what right. you did, what you did to me. The philosophy of understanding the intent and assuming the best of what other people are doing, it's only ha- it's half-assed, right? Cuz like yeah. you're saying, it's addressing the person who is the the recipient of the ma- like the 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 action or the words, the person that's carrying that. It doesn't deal at all with the consequence and I think the onus has to be on the person who's stepping on your foot yep. to speak figuratively to understand that that happened 
to understand that that hurt and that you have to be able to anticipate if that's going to happen again. Yeah. And if you're unable to because you're scared, oh, well, because the other response to that is just like, well, then what can I say? Yeah. And my response to that, if, if you have to take five seconds in every thought to think about the other person you're speaking to, welcome. Welcome to my life. Welcome to what I have to do constantly is to consider who I'm talking as a woman, as a woman of color, as any person who's dealing as being an other, you have to constantly consider other people's thoughts and feelings. So if you as a person from privilege and comfort and comfort have to take a moment to think, huh, is what I'm going to say or do going to be to use the example, step on this person's shoe, then congratulations welcome to inclusion you're now participating in this as an equal as opposed to expecting me as the victim to also be the solve yeah yeah and it's just like you want i the thing i struggle with is like wanting people to do the work but also feeling like i have to give them a starting point and it's like i didn't come to these conclusions no. on my own i didn't absorb them through osmosis right. like i sought out and learned through reading yeah and it's like, I don't know how to make people get to that point, but I guess you can't really. You can't. But also I've what I've tried to do is like in interviews, because I'll get the question of just like, you know, you're very you're very political on Twitter. <laughs> like, uh, what are, what is your suggestion for people who really want to like get woke? And I'm just like, that's not a question for me. Yeah. As, at all. I feel like they have they're completely capable of Everybody doing the has work. Google. Yeah. Yeah. Google. You'll figure it out. Google woke and then that'll be your starting point. <laughs> may I, sorry, may I speak? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's like really interesting how Twitter has made things better and worse than that it's brought certain things to light. And also it's just in terms of like people's personalities that we should know, our celebrities that we're supporting or whatever. But also it's like just... Uh, it just gives people a chance to like trip up every single day and like learn lessons in a very like unfortunate public way. For and sure. I like I've literally been thinking of just like deleting my Twitter altogether. I just like feel like it is informing me negatively. Mm. Like I don't feel like I really have anything to say. Like you know, like the more I, the more I get older, like. I, I wish I used Twitter like you, where I just called Donald Trump trash every day. Yeah. Like, I I think that you are it's using meditative. Twitter for... Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm Catholic I... and afraid I'm going to be on a government list, so <laughs> I don't do that. Like, just, right. no one's... They're not going to take the beloved Natasha Rothwell. I might wind up in a fucking cell. <laughs> the beloved. Yeah, false, I'll false be in a cell, like, I, for sure. I Yeah, I use Twitter to learn about different communities. So, like, when... Or when news... Like, because I work in journalism, so when news breaks and stuff like that, but it also mm -hmm. has helped me, like, learn about different communities and, like, I follow Asian-American journalists and people who are prolific and learn about that experience. Right. I follow a lot of, like, prolific black journalists and Twitter Twitter users and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Even just, like, education reporting. Like, it enables me to learn about different and get perspective. Yeah. I know so much about other people's beliefs. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> I really... I I seek I for sure seek it out to a point where I read Meghan McCain's book in two days this week. Wow. Like dirty, sexy politics, baby. Um, oh boy. Yeah, you know. So I and I so I just like to subject myself to information and takes all the time. Yeah. But like, man, there's I know so much about people's beliefs. You can find it all, good and bad. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know if that's better or worse. Like, when I mean, is it manners or no manners? Like, I can't tell. Like, <laughs> I think it's like there's the spectrum, right? There's like the danger of the echo chamber where everyone look 
like you just it's so homogenous and everyone yeah. looks and thinks yeah. like you where you're like completely shocked when Trump is president, which yeah. I fell prey to where I was oh, just really? like, oh, I was stunned. Yeah, I was just like in my happy little like woke bubble. And I'm like, we're doing it, guys. Barack. And oh. now we going to do this. And then it happened. And I was like, oh, I and then I started following very specific conservative outlets because I was just like, I need to be aware I have to like yeah, I was educate gonna ask myself. If, if that's something that you do, like how you curate your Twitter. My, yeah, I follow. I mean, I follow tons of journalists, tons of news outlets. I feel like international news outlets because I do feel like we get our sort of <laughs> watered American down media is kind of trash. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Al Jazeera, BBC, I've like the you know I try to um, populate my news feed with like as much inf- like accurate information as possible. I follow the requisite comics, the requisite like celebrities. Um, and you know, random people who I'm just like fans of. Um, but I have started following like very strategic conservative news outlets. Um, and it speaks to controlling my input. Like I could never get to a place where I like, I gave Megan McCain's book like <laughs> oh yeah you time. gotta be careful you gotta be That's careful I believe pizza gate now like, yeah. you real. I'm a flat earther like yeah. I got into all yeah, yeah so I think that like <laughs> Twitter's a fun uh, like a, a fun place to if you can curate it for yourself you can't it, yeah. it's you have to be really like I said you have to control your input true life okay sorry that you know some we go on tangents here i don't know why I, so but thank you for that call and thank you for speaking on that yeah, thank you guys you yeah calling. that was thank really nice very, to listen to definitely handling that question very well well i try i try i think about being a black lady a lot <laughs> let's uh take one more call right we have a letter oh shit do you want to read it happy to are you a good reader yeah i'm not so that's why we have to ask i usually ask the people. guest i'm like i I'm dyslexic, so oh. which, by the way, speaking of this college gate, we were talking about this before. I did not, I didn't even apply to get extra time on my SATs because I was like, oh, I'm only dyslexic. Like oh, yeah. that's not what? fair. Sorry, there's a report. Yeah. There was a report I was reading this morning. I was reading it to Molly about like, oh yeah, this is an epidemic where rich people are getting disability uh, like comps for their kids for the SATs. What? They'll bribe doc- doctors to tell them that they have like. A learning disability just oh so they can get extra time for the SATs. God. Like that's actually a thing. This is why I hope like reporting Look on the college work. college game. That is just <laughs> this is why I hope this becomes like a beat. And like I I hope like people keep reporting. Well on all yeah. This stuff because we need to be aware. Yes. I feel yeah. like this how is just it is. Yeah. This, it's just weird. Like the men I don't I didn't even I was like, no, it's wouldn't be fair for me to take extra time. Like or I wouldn't even file for unemployment. Like when I first, like when I first moved out to LA, like the first company, it was a web company that went under. Yeah. And they were like, you gotta file for unemployment. And I was like, I'm not taking a handout. Like I'm very like I restrict myself like and don't know my rights in that weird way. And yeah. it's so interesting to see that like odd thing to me that seemed yeah. like such a severe option right. be yeah. used as a benefit. I What's mean, the it's crazy. It's just being like, oh, I'm entitled to more time, more, 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 more. Yeah. I was like, my eyes work. Why would I? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Natasha's going to read our letter. Yeah, I'm going to read. Hey, Christina Malls, Wags and Guest. That's me. I live in a small Midwest city, so small I won't name it. I've been going to the same therapist for the past four years, and she is the best. It took me a while to find someone I trust who really gets me. I suffer from anxiety, depression, and a lot of residual damage from witnessing and experiencing domestic abuse as a child. 
as well as being sexually abused. Dark stuff. Dark stuff that is hard to open up to someone about. I've established a great rapport with my therapist, and she truly has saved me. I made such progress in the last four years, I couldn't have done it without her. Here's the issue. Sometimes I feel I like her too much. Not in a weird way, but in a way where I think she's such a cool person that I want to be her friend. I obviously know I can't be ethically, but I have noticed sometimes I hold back on telling her things because I'm worried she will think less of me. I don't think she really will. I even told her this before, and she's reassured me that we're in a safe space. I just think I look for validation from her in a weird way. One time I saw her in public, and I was so excited. It was wild. We also talk about her life sometimes, and I know about her kids and her hobbies. I don't really know if that is normal. And again... I never feel like we're crossing a line because this kind of small talk is usually at the beginning when I'm arriving to the session. But I just feel bad for getting along with her so well, I guess. Like it might be robbing me of the therapy part of therapy. And really, I'm just spending an hour talking to a friend. It really can feel like that sometimes where other times it feels like all business. I talked to my best friend who lives in New York and has a therapist who she said is much less friendly to her than mine much more real and clinical. I don't know if I'm just looking for problems or if things have really gotten too comfortable where I should be looking for a different person. I will say she has been immensely effective in helping me tame my anxiety and cope with my depression, but I wanted to hear what you think. The thought of starting over seems daunting and sad. Thanks for everything. Love you all. Please advise, Emily. Well, okay. Uh, I'll just start by saying that, like, I always have completely inappropriate relationships with my therapist. Like, like my therapist and I have always texted, been like very social. Mm -hmm. I mean, my therapist. I invited her to come to Japan with me. Oh, she like you know was like. Did she go? Uh, no, she said no. But she's like, you know, I'll, she's like, I always talk to my mom and my sister about you or like she'll be like, oh, I was thinking of my one of my clients is staffing something and I was thinking that they should <laughs> like we have a very fucking close relationship and it's weird. That said, I think that like, I don't know what it is, but I think between a therapist and me, we're two people that immediately try to make people feel comfortable. So like, then it just becomes, but there is always a weird moment where it's like, are are we going to become best friends or like not? And so what I will say is that you might feel social with your therapist, but you're supposed to be to an extent because you're supposed to be comfortable talking to them, but it's not a big deal. Like it shouldn't be a big deal to talk to anyone for, for that you get along with for an hour. Like it sounds a little bit like you're making her a mother figure to me. I, but you know, I have no problem being like super cool with my therapist and knowing that ultimately they are my therapist. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Also, how can I be so, I don't know. Like I have completely, quote unquote, inappropriate relationships with my therapist. But yeah, I think the closeness has to be calibrated by the efficacy of the therapy. Yeah, because there was a moment where in the letter she says, like, I hold back sometimes. Yeah, that that was a big red flag to me. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing, too, is like the, you know, when they talk about her personal life, it's like, you know, Oh, I like went to the car wash today, so that's why I have this like coffee thing here. Like it's always 
like that if that's what you're think like thinking is insight into her personal life like right. you're overblowing i think you're overthinking this in a weird way like just be happy that you have someone cool to talk to yeah like why i, I don't understand like i there seems to be like a little bit of a infatuation on your end that might not exist in her to her in that way you yeah. know yeah it's interesting because like her approach to therapy is very inner like i've been going to therapy i've been having the same therapist since november i don't know anything about my therapist yeah like really no it would like we get in there and it's about me and it needs to be that way in order for my like sessions to be really effective like i can't worry about her needs or like her, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh no 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 i don't I, yeah world or but like, like anecdotal stuff doesn't help you like it doesn't mm-hmm. help you to hear like an like anecdotal situation see that that's no, probably we get in why and we get in and we just like okay yeah. what's what's the thing that you're dealing with or what's the overarching right. and i just like start and it and, and then she'll like She'll like remember things from previous sessions or she knows a lot about my life, but it right. helps it helps me not to have that personal yeah. connection because I need someone who's like I think in both approaches, whether it's like the I talk, you listen, and then you chime in with like things that are helpful or give me yeah. insight, or if it's the we're both sharing parts of ourselves within a boundary in order to get to a place. I think both are legitimate and great and wonderful. The thing that worries me about this is that if she's not getting what she needs yeah. and if she feels at all stuck in her journey to recovery. Yep. Because the fact that she mentioned sort of just like, you know, I'm gotten to a great place, I'm learning how to cope, that is a process and she's been through some really real shit. And I feel like yeah. you don't want to get to a place where once a week for an hour you're sitting down and you're just like shooting the shit and then you go home and realize you haven't told her things or you're withholding. Or you're kind of working to like... Get her to like you. Get a reaction or something. You can't win therapy. No. Just to be clear. Like I should say, like just because my therapist and I like have a very good rapport and like we'll text sometimes outside of therapy about certain things. Oh yeah. I want to be clear. I wasn't judging your, I was like, no, I I should say that because I Mm -hmm. do see a big difference between what there. Cause like I will, yes, I will like sob through my whole thing and be very honest and transparent. No secrets. There's no reason to pay someone to have secrets from, from them. Um, but yeah, I, I should I should add that that like in, in, I can say that I get a lot of work done in those sessions too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you yeah. So it's it is different. There yeah. is a difference. I don't think it's bizarre to feel close to them. Not but at all. yeah, there's a lot of red flags in here. Um, that you know it be- it can become very easy when you're not emotionally intimate with a lot of people. Yeah. To mirror relationship that you want to have with them or that you need in your life yeah Yeah. and I think that that's a little bit of what's going on here and maybe some over personalization of certain aspects of it yeah yeah I feel like she has to ask herself the question am I getting any work done right like am I getting any work done and am am I presenting a version of myself that's inauthentic because I'm a trying to win her friendship or be like trying not to lose her friendship. Yeah. And if you're couching it in terms of friendship, then that is problematic also. But yeah. like not in the friendship, uh, couching it in only terms of friendship. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Right. I think she's also reaching a, a certain point is like when you initially go into therapy, you're like, I want to deal with this shit. And sometimes in life in general, we work towards a goal, but we right. never think about what do we do when we get there. Yeah. And right. so like you've dealt with all these issues. You're learning how to cope. What's the next thing you want to get out of therapy? Right? Yeah. Because you're you're dealing with these like issues you've already or you've been spending time dealing with these issues from your childhood. Now what do you want to accomplish from your therapy? Exactly right. And maybe taking a step back and thinking about the, that part of it, what's next, yeah. can help you recalibrate your relationship with your therapist. Right. Yeah. And in general, like you should be leaving with tasks. Like it's – or just like things that you want to work on that week. If you – and I always say this because I think some people don't know this about therapy and it – I had a – I had, have had a bad therapist like um, – which is, you know, how you figure it out. You go to people that it's right. not a match. But if you're just like venting and not actually making progress each week or over a period of time um, – you're going with the wrong therapist. Like therapy is not for venting. It's for, you have some serious stuff. Like, you know, I want you to update us on this for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, my mouth is dry. And I would, honestly, I would say, try a session with someone else. It's not unethical for you to see another therapist and see what the different vibe is. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it doesn't need to be for something like, maybe you don't, I don't know. I know that the first session can be really hard with a new therapist, but maybe you can go in and just sort of see if their talking style is different or maybe you want a male therapist or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think it's like (laughs) you are only as sick as your secrets. And so this secret Mm. of your like friendship and infatuation with her at a friendship level is not something you talk to her about. And I know you said you talk to her about it. I would say continue to bring it up yeah. so that she knows that it's not a resolved issue on your part. Yep. So that way she can actually do her job because I can only imagine like the thought of leaving this person who has helped you through really like hard trauma uh, would be a traumatic thought, you know? So like thinking about um, having another conversation with her about like your, your feelings for her, you know, the non-romantic, very sort of like, yeah. you know, I got, I love, you know, I want to be around you. I want to hang out. You know, I want to do things that aren't getting me to where I need to be. Yeah. That emotional intimacy has created a sort of like a fondness for that person. It's also just like, it's funny because you think about like your relationship with your therapist is also something that you have to maintain and be conscious of. And it's crazy. It's like another thing. It's like any other relationship. It's like any other relationship that can only, and I think across relationships, honesty and authenticity are the only ways those can happen successfully yeah this one has puzzled me i this is really interesting to me i would like to hear more okay um from you uh keep up with us uh yeah do we have any any other calls no that's it that's it okay um, it's 152. We have to wrap it up. <laughs> okay. Um, thanks so much, you guys, for listening. Tasha, thank you so much for being here. Thanks you for having me. are awesome. So and great. Thanks for like being at my house and like coming here. Like it's very cool that you were, you know, hanging out with a celebrity felon a couple weeks ago and now you're here <laughs> at my house. Like I mean, that, I'm sorry, accused felon. Accused felon. And I just yeah, that means it means a lot when someone who's popping comes by. I appreciate it. Yeah, and no. you're really sweet my and gave pleasure. great advice. So. You gave great advice. Okay. Yeah. Oof. 
Uh, well, thank you so much. And uh, you know, do you want to do you want to tell people where to find you? Do you have any plugs you want to do <laughs> at the end of my podcast? Twelve people listen to. Yeah, <laughs> just find me on Twitter uh, yeah. <laughs> at okay. Natasha Rothwell. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. 